Hello everyone and welcome to the So Mindful podcast where we dig into the tips and topics that will help you have great fun making clothes that make you feel fabulous. I'm your host Jackie Blakemore of So Much More Fun and I can't wait to share this week's illuminating episode with you. So let's roll the tape. So hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the So Mindful podcast. I am delighted this week to be joined by Elise Chase Sinclair. Elise is a seamstress, costumer and sewing blogger who lives in Miramichi in Canada. I've never heard of that place so we'll talk about that a bit more. Um, Miramichi. Miramichi. Is it Miramichi? Yeah, that's all right. Okay. No worries. <laughs> Her mission is to help people feel good in their clothes by teaching them how to make their clothes fit their bodies and not the other way around, something I'm definitely very passionate about as well. Elise has made and altered clothes for actors, dancers and opera singers and just regular people. She also works as a garment technician where she's analysed how garments fit on different bodies. Through her work experience, she's become an expert at what alteration and pattern drafting techniques get the best fit for different bodies. When Elise isn't sewing or blogging, you can find her going out for a walk in nature with her family. So welcome, Elise. What a lovely introduction and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you very much for having me today. Fabulous. So I shared a little bit about your background and clearly got the pronunciation of where you live completely wrong. But tell the listeners a little bit more about you in your own words and how you got into working with costumes and then how that led into your passion for fitting. Yeah, so my educational background is actually in costume. What's a little bit different about studying costume versus studying fashion when it comes to learning about pattern drafting, at least in my experience, is we do a lot more about making clothes for individual people as opposed to here's a standard size, whatever, and grading. I have more experience pattern drafting a a size me, like a size Elise size or a Jackie size instead of, okay, make a basic block for a size 10 or 12 or whatever standard size you're going to use. And therefore, I have more experience with individual sizing. When I had worked a few years ago as a fit technician, we did a lot of comparing people's body measurements to clothes and seeing how clothes could better fit more people. Just by doing that and by measuring people in garments over and over, you learn more about things like waist to hip ratio and how that fits jeans, for example, which is huge, which is something that I didn't really learn in the costuming world. So through doing that, I've learned a lot about fit and I, I'm almost a little bit of a fit nerd. Like I started because I always loved clothes <laughs> and expressing yourself through what you wear and you know, expressing your individuality, wearing whatever makes you feel good, not because someone said it was in style or You know, some people like things to fit different ways. I'm really interested in going after your individuality through your style in whatever fits and feels good on your body. Because if you feel good wearing it, it's going to come through the rest of your day. If you start your day wearing something that you feel good in, you're going to have a better day than if you are trying to cram yourself into something that's uncomfortable. Definitely, definitely. And a lot to unpack there. So let's just go back a little bit to the Mm -hmm. costume fitting. I had an experience doing that for some pantomime costumes that I was lucky enough to be part of. And as you say, that kind of world is quite different to your fashion design and fashion fitting, particularly, as you say, because you basically presented with an actor or a set of actors or singers Mm -hmm. and then told that you need to make something for them. So it's not something from a particular pattern or 
a particular size range. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's quite an interesting dynamic. So just talk me through your process when you were working with those kinds of people. What did that involve? Right. For example, when I, I had done some work for an opera. So, you know, the first thing you would do is, well, you go over your design with the director. The things I did were more historical. So, you know, you do your research and your design and talk about colors and things like that for the overall production. And then you'd go and I would meet with, for example, the opera singer and measure them and make a basic block. Sometimes I could cut corners a little bit if I'd worked with the same people a couple of times, or maybe I had a pattern already for someone who had very similar measurements. And depending on the style, I might be able to adjust from that. But typically I would end up creating a basic block. And then if you are doing something like that, like I might make like extra large seam allowances and account for fittings, or sometimes I'll make a lining first and then make adjustments to the lining and use that as a fitting mock-up instead of velvet or something before cutting into something like that. And there's quite a lot of pressure in terms of time as well, isn't there, in those situations? Oh, yes, quite, <laughs> quite, very much so. And for that sort of process as well, for example, where that was live theater, I had a friend who I went to school with and she would sometimes say, well, you know, we have clothes for you. You're, you're not naked. We have something. So you start with the most important things and you work on the accessories first. You don't start working on decorating a hat. You know, you can give them the hat to practice performing in while you work on the clothes and you work on the most important things and you do the embellishments at the end. So if that didn't quite happen, you might be sewing that backstage an hour before <laughs> there might be putting on some ornamentation that that happens. <laughs> Definitely. And it's tight timescales, isn't it? For a lot of those it things. Is. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, some places I've worked, there's been a big team and I've done some other things where I've been a wardrobe person, wardrobe team of one. Yeah. Okay. Fabulous. So you went from costume design then and the things that you learned there. And then you said you went into being a garment tech. Yeah, I did. I had a job as a fit technician for a while. So we would measure people and measure clothes and figure out how people's bodies fit in their clothes. So we had a very large mass database of folks measurements. So that's more like Getting things to fit people instead of making people to fit things is what I'm really more into. And by doing that work, you see how much people are different. And if you were to go shopping at the mall or just to buy a pattern and think I'm this size, you know, your bust might be one size, your waist might be one size, your hips might be another size, your thighs might be another size. And just, that's normal. Yeah. That's normal. I almost want to like scream that. That's normal. Yeah. Let's talk about that a bit more. Because yeah. when we first spoke, we were talking about body proportions, weren't we? And it was one of the things that yeah, yeah. I think I learned quite late on in terms of recognizing that some of the standard templated sizes that are used both in industry, for designing fashion clothes, and also in, even in pattern design are still based mm -hmm. on some certain ratios or percentages Absolutely. difference between your bust, waist, hips and thighs. That's what we were talking about and saying how yeah, we're kind of the opposite, aren't absolutely. we, in terms of our body shape. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about that. So yeah. can you just share a bit more about that? Sure. For example, if I'm shopping for a dress in a store, I find I have to fit my bust measurement and then I my hips are fairly small for the rest of my body and my thighs as well. So I often have to fit things sort of in the shoulders and chest and then take them in further down as well. I have a really hard time finding jeans, even though I love to wear jeans. If you are to go to your favorite shop and pull up their size chart online, 
have a look at where your measurements are and look at the difference between the waist and hip for a lot of the sizes. It depends a bit by brand and a little bit if you're at the smaller size range or larger size range. Often it's around 9, 10 inch difference between the waist and the hip for most of the sizes. Spoiler alert, we aren't all that <laughs> difference when our waist and their hip. And then that is what makes jeans or pants or trousers fit yeah. is that. And what I learned when I was a fit tech, even though I had sewn and made clothes and pattern draft and costume for years, what I never really thought about was, let's just talk about jeans for a minute. I have a very sort of straight body between my hip and my waist. So most pants or jeans for my size are around nine inch difference between the waist and the hip. I have about five. So things are either like squeezing me in the waist or they're bagging the hip for the most part. And if it's a high rise, it's exaggerated, actually. I notice it more because my waist isn't as small as most people's waists are with my hip size. Mm. The higher you go up on the rise, the more that's exaggerated. So I actually have an easier time with low rise jeans, even though I'm a mom. I've heard some people say like, now that I've had kids, I prefer a higher rise jean. I just feel a bit more supportive. Mm. That's okay. That's okay. But for me, I often can't even do them up if they fit me in the hip. You imagine the hip curve on your jeans. So if we're talking about really the side seams on, on where of the difference is made. And if you gin is kind of eight or nine inches below your waist. So if you imagine kind of around your widest part and then it's shaped up into the waist and the waist, as you say, Nalise, is usually around 10 inches different. So if your hip is 40 inches, then the design that the waist will probably be about maybe 30, 29 or 30 inches. But mm -hmm. a lot of that shaping happens nearer the top as well. So as you say, um, yes. if you don't have a lot of that difference, then low rise can be better because there's not quite as much shaping in the bottom section, That's the right. kind of mid reaction, but mostly curves in towards the waist near the top. So yeah, yeah, it's almost like you don't have to take as much waist fit into consideration if you have a lower rise. Yeah. So, and because I'm more straight up and down as opposed to someone with a curvier shape. And curvy in the fashion tech world literally means the shape of the curve between your waist and the hip, it does not mean a particular size or a particular number to a size. It literally means the shape. And if you are more like hourglass, and it's just numbers. And the, the fashion and the pattern industries do that is because they've got to start somewhere, haven't they? If they tried to make patterns exactly. for lots of all different combinations, then it would be, I think it becomes a bit harder to choose pattern, pattern sizing or garments and garment sizes. And they can't obviously cater for everybody, Absolutely. So it's all based on average. Yeah, it is worth knowing about the fact that it is based on this kind of average. And, and same with like tops. A lot of brands like a BC cup is average for most brands for their, whether it's a pattern company or ready to wear. Most of them are based on a B or C cup. Spoiler, <laughs> it's all a B or C cup. I don't think you need me to tell you that. So that's another thing as well. Yeah. And that has similar problems where you end up trying to buy to exactly. fit your bust and then it's too big on the shoulders or you get it's kind of too big on the back or some of those things as well. So you see similar issues, don't you, with, with those. Just it's worth reiterating that there's no right or wrong just because that garment designed based on those measurements doesn't fit you. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with your body shape. It just means that Absolutely. I've been designed on measurements that aren't your measurements. That's all that, that all. 
Yeah, exactly. And if you are someone who does find it a little bit frustrating, you wonder why doesn't this sit? It's because the bottom part is often based on a 10 inch waist to hip difference and the top is based on a BC cut bra and we aren't all that. And that's not even getting into height. Yeah. And that's a big topic in its own right. There are lots of fit issues in terms of we all have our own unique body shapes and sizes and so on. But were there any common things that you came across? I don't know if there's any one thing in particular. The the waist to hip thing is a big thing that I noticed a lot, whether it was doing the fit technician stuff or with actors or performers for fittings, for using ready to wear for contemporary things, more so like waist starts for things like dresses waist starts can go a long way in making something fit especially if you had to size up for the chest or shoulders sewing things in at the side seams it's probably one of the easier things to start with too and that's probably one of the most common ones and it's one of the easiest things to pick off the list because there's two things there isn't there the first is altering ready to wear so that was one of the things that we spoke about initially wasn't it i make quite a lot of my clothes but you can't always make everything and i haven't always got a lot of time i'm a mom of two small kids and i would love to have my own completely handmade wardrobe but that's not going to happen <laughs> yeah and we want to also take advantage of there's some gorgeous garments out there aren't there as well that i think yeah, are just absolutely. lovely so we talked about the fact that you tend to buy maybe a bigger size at the top and then have to adjust more the bottom section I'm the opposite. So I tend to have to buy bigger for the bottom and then try and adjust the top. Let's just take dresses, for example. For somebody with similar proportions to you in terms of being maybe bigger on the top and smaller on the bottom, what kinds of alterations might you want to do to be able to get a better fit for you? Yeah, so I get things to fit my bust and my shoulders. And I find like my hip size is usually maybe two sizes smaller than my bust size. And then I'll do a lot of waist starts. Sometimes I find trends of things that are in style. You love them on you. And sometimes you're not really feeling it. I don't feel my best in the boxier shapes Mm -hmm. that are trendy right now. So I will take a more boxy cut dress and get it to fit my shoulders and my bust. And then I will put darts in contour darts or I think... People also call them fisheye darts. Yeah. Or maybe that I'll put darts in at the waist and at the back. I also have a little bit of a sway back. I find taking them in there does a fair bit. The side seams as well. Sometimes I find that usually for me, I end up doing the darts more so than the side seams. You just put it on inside out and you can use safety pins to pin things in. You can put the safety pins pretty close to each other so it almost mimics how the seam would fit and then just wherever you want to take it in more. Yeah, and there's a good point there in terms of deciding where you need it most. So if you're more straight up and down at the sides but maybe you've got a bust and you want some more shaping in the front or a sway back, as you said, where you've got a curve in your back and you want to add a bit of shape there, you might choose the darts over the side seam because you're straighter up and down at the side. If you're more flat-chested or flat-bottom, then you may choose more at the side seam to give that illusion of that curve. Yeah, you might want to contour the sides. Yeah, and you can always try both. You can always experiment with both. And if you use a long stitch length or a hand base on your sewing machine, you can play around a bit without committing too much because then it's easier to take out. So I'm, I'm a fan of encouraging people just to try it. If you've never done it before, if you have something old in your closet that you want to try it on, just 
use something that's easy to take out and you'll get an idea whether you like it or not. And then you can sew it in better if you like it. If you don't, just take it out. Yeah. And those fisheye darts are the ones where you, you have a point at both ends, basically, and then it gets yes, wide in the middle. Right. So you can put the, the widest bit usually where your waistline is normally. The widest bit at the natural waist or wherever you are, the smallest, and then you kind of bring it out to nothing at the top and bottom. And you can do that at the front or the back. But it's usually still the deepest part of the dart is at the waist level. And then I start there. That's where my first pin is on both sides. And you try and make it even on both sides, but you can measure it flat afterwards and you have it on inside out. Do the deepest part first. And then I pin up to nothing at the top and bottom. And the trick to sewing it is to have it taper out to nothing as you stitch it out. Otherwise they can get puckery and you do want to press it on Taylor's ham. That's one of those round shaped thing if you haven't seen one before, but they're, they're not that expensive. It's just a curved surface to press curved items on. If you don't have one of those, you probably could use like a rolled up towel or something. Because if you are trying to press curves, on a flat ironing board. It's like, did you ever do that thing in school where you draw the map of the world on a tangerine or an orange and then you have to flatten it and it doesn't work? You need support on the curve while you press it if you're pressing curves. So that's just a little tip. And if you're trying to start out, I think a towel is a great idea. I'll put a link to a tailor's ham so you can see that in the show notes in case anybody hasn't used one of those before. But yeah, I have one of those. I'm a big fan for pressing anything that's meant to be curved. It just helps you move your iron over it rather than squashing it flat and getting loads of wrinkles. And I do have a step-by-step -step how to do that type of dart on my blog if folks wanted to check that out too. Yeah, we'll link to that as well. So that's one type of area where you might want to make alterations in terms of getting a closer fit around the waist area. I often have to buy a bigger size on the top, for example, to fit my hip. So have you got any tips around altering the shoulders or the top area for garments? Sometimes for that scenario, have you ever tried putting a vent in the hips in the side seam? Because sometimes you might not have, if you're able to put a vent, like split open the side seam at the bottom and put a little facing or bias tape or something on the inside, you may not have to size up. Yeah, I usually end up doing that. Actually, I'll buy a top and then think actually it's a little bit too tight or a little bit too snug and then end up just undoing the side seam a little bit, probably up to just below my waist and then putting in some kind of binding or something just to finish the edge. So yeah, that is a commonly used feature of my wardrobe, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. For a dress that is that's probably a little bit harder. I don't know if you've ever experimented with a bust dart in the armhole area that goes out to the bust, or if it's something with straps. If you shorten a strap on a dress, it takes up the bust line, it takes up the waist, and it takes up the hip. So if you ever feel like you need to shorten straps on something, do that before doing darts or anything else. Yeah, that's um, a good tip because often you'll end up making changes and then trying to fix the straps and then after that everything as you say shifts up and you need to then readjust all your changes yeah and sometimes if you do lift things up sometimes it's almost all you need yeah because sometimes the bust line waistline hip line level just aren't in the right spot for you so if you move that up like the waist will end up being at the smallest part of your waist yeah that may help uh, someone as well who has to buy more for their hip sometimes too there's certain styles that I love on other people but I just haven't figured out the best way to work them on me. Sometimes it's just being a bit more mindful. Not every cut is going to suit every single human. So just being a bit more mindful of what is easier for you to alter 
like, okay, I know this part works on me and this feature on this garment is going to be much easier for me to try and fix than this feature on this garment. And I think, like you say, starting with a silhouette that works well for your frame, sometimes even just adjusting the length of a garment can change how it looks, can't it? Yeah, absolutely. Even though I'm fairly tall, I had a trench coat. It was a very classic trench coat, but I was just not feeling it. But I think I lopped like six inches off the hem and I made it above the knee instead of below and it was just so much better. And we talked about, just that just reminds me that we talked about as well lengthening sometimes because again not a concern for me because I'm only five foot two but (laughs) being five foot seven and taller I'm five seven and even (laughs) still my arms are longer proportionally than what would be average for my height so I do have to let things down a fair bit in particular coats are the main thing and that can be hard to do sometimes I just buy longer gloves if it's uh, an outerwear thing for the winter honestly I just make sure my gloves are longer especially for parka for more like a wool like a nicer coat you can open up the lining press it down it depends a bit on how it was made but you can open it up press it down and your iron is your best friend sometimes you could put some bias binding around the bottom and then just fold up a smaller hem allowance sometimes that's enough i did once have a lady ask me to put a cuff on a sleeve for her Something like a blazer. I've seen people also just put a lace trim on it. Depends a little bit on your garment. I have a cardigan, but it's with woven fabric. It's just like an open, long sleeve, loose item. And it had a one inch hem on it. I took that hem out, pressed it really well, and just added a contrast bias binding to the bottom. And I, I needed that extra like inch and a half on my arms also because my arms are so long we were talking about when I worked on costumes I forgot to take someone's arm measurements I just I used mine because I knew that there was no way her arms are going to be longer than mine (laughs) and then I just marked it up Yeah, they just took loads off. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I've done that as well on a lady who had a coat that she'd bought that was quite short, a more traditional vintage style, and it was quite short in the sleeve. And we just put like a false cuff of a completely different fabric. So it just looked a bit like a shirt sleeve almost coming out at the bottom of it. So yeah, you can get creative with that yeah. on sleeves and on the bottom of garments as well. I know when I've made things too short, I'll often add a band or something similar or contrasting at the bottom of a garment. I've had pants or trousers that I've washed and have been too short after I've washed them, which is kind of frustrating. So then I've turned them into a capri or a short with a cuffed hem, which is fine. But usually if I bought them to be long, you I want them long. <laughs> That is annoying, isn't it? So yeah, just a note there to any sewers, remember to pre-wash your fabric before you cut it out. That's the other tip. Because I've definitely fallen fab. Don't skip it. Yeah, that's right. You can be amazed at how much some things can shrink and that would just be very sad. It's it's soul destroying. Yeah. (laughs) Most unfortunate of that happens. I think think we've nearly all done it at least once. So we've talked a little bit about changing ready-to-wear garments. In terms of then doing adjustments on patterns then, have you got any tips for using multiple sizes or making alterations to patterns before you start? What's your thoughts around that? How do you work? Well, the first part is to know your measurements and know the measurements of the size that you're looking at. So some of the biggest mistakes people make is they think that the size they wear at the store is the same size as their pattern. It's not. It's not. Just just forget about what you size you think you should be completely As well, there's also differences between sizes in different countries. And if you're using a vintage pattern, just just forget about it. Just just start at square one. Take your measurements, 
circle on the size chart what your bust, waist, hip, or whatever measurements they have on their size chart are. Whatever they have on there is what you should measure on yourself. And keep in mind, especially if you tend to be more petite or more tall, that you may have to cut the waistline and add a bit at the waist if you are someone with a longer torso or if you are more of a petite person, then you can actually like fold your pattern a bit at the waist. Let's say it's addressed, say, this might be a 10 and my waist is also a 10 and my hips are a 4. So I would then try and grade in between on the pattern, especially if it's one that's printed out that has all the sizes on it. You just blend the lines basically between where you fall. And then I would look at the height. You can measure from your shoulder to your bust line and measure the shoulder to your bust line on your pattern or measure the shoulder to your waist. When you measure the waist, what I like to do, and this is a costume trick, if you take a quarter inch sewing elastic and tie that around your waist, especially if maybe your waist isn't as defined and then just sort of wiggle a little bit wherever that elastic that you've tied around your waist, great fashion accessory, wherever that goes, that's your waistline. And so if I'm also taking vertical measurements, I'd like to use that as a bit of an anchor to make sure I'm measuring the same spot each time. So you can measure your shoulder to bust. So like the fullest part of your bust and then shoulder bust waist so where that elastic is and then compare how that is on your pattern and if it seems like you're shorter or taller you may need to shrink your pattern at the usually the waist like you can pinch it up you can just fold it up a little bit or if you need to lengthen you can draw a line where you know the natural waist would be on the pattern and add whatever sort of the discrepancy is there to your pattern Yeah. And just try things on a lot as you go along like any step you can where it's half assembled or if you have a sleeve just sew one sleeve on and try it on or sew the one part first yeah and try it on just to give an idea then you know you might say like whoa there this is completely off and at least you have it cut into your good fabric yet yeah and one of the things that I learned from doing the costume is don't be afraid to add more seam allowance if there's areas where you know you might need a bit extra or If there's areas where you tend to have issues, make the seam allowance bigger, maybe up to an inch or two and a half centimeters. Particularly side seams tends to be a common one, doesn't it? And that just gives you a bit more leeway to then play around with making your alterations. That's the easiest way. And remember things like darts that might be on a pattern as well. Those darts are based on their fit model, their basic size that the brand is using. You might even want to just try the item on yourself before you even sew the dart in, but you don't have to follow that. No. You don't have to use that. That's on the pattern. You can make your own or omit it completely. And I think the thing to remember is the pattern is your starting guide, isn't it? It's a template to start from. It's not the finished thing. and It's yours to start you off and you can make it into your own. And I think people sometimes get a bit wedded to, it says this, I must do this. And that's not the case at all, is it? It's a guide and the sizing is a guide. And if you're making it for you, make it for you. Forget about that other stuff. That's just there to get you started. Indeed. And when we say about blending, sorry, because I know we use some of these terms quite a lot and we're on a podcast, so it's quite hard to describe. But the way that I tend to do it is I mark, say at the bust, I tend to circle the size that I am at the bust and then I circle the size that I am at the waist, which is often different. And I'll start by drawing a straight line between the two. I'll then play with it to try and make it a smooth line. So it's not jerky or it's not pointy between the two. Yeah, you need to smooth it out. You might have to use a pencil and an eraser and to sketch it in very lightly. And again, that's just a guide. A tool I have that I do find useful for that. I'm trying to remember what it's actually called. It was from an art supply store. It's a bendable curve. 
Maybe this it is just called, called that. Yeah, ruler. I think it is called a bendy ruler, like a bendy it, ruler, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bendy ruler. And it wasn't from a fabric store. It was from an art supply store next to rulers and pencils and things. Yeah, I'll put a link to one of those, actually. I've just recently bought a new one. So I'll put a link to one of those. They are really helpful. Anything like that that just gives you a guide to start from and then you can play around with it from there, can't you? Yeah, and I do have other more advanced tools for pattern drafting, but that one... That bendable one is a good one to start with if you are drafting your own patterns from scratch. Like there are like hip curve rulers and French curves, but you don't need to go out and buy all those things if you aren't actually pattern drafting from scratch. Yeah. So you've got a guide which has got some more tips in, haven't you? Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Yeah. So on my blog, for example, a lot of my content is around helping people to make things fit them better. So I, if folks were interested in starting an alterations journey, if that's maybe something that's new to you or you want to just find out a little bit more. I have a little free PDF guide of just things like how to look at your clothes before you even try them on to try and figure out where your alterations might be, tips for things about how to pin things in on yourself. Because I noticed that's something people say like, oh, I want to fit this, but you know, I I can't pin it in on myself and I'm not going to ask my spouse to try and pin it in on me because they're clueless or whatever. (laughs) Or I don't have a friend who's knowledgeable about this to help me out. And I do have tips around things like that just to help you like with the very beginning steps to get started. So that's a little guide I have if anyone was interested in that wanted to sign up to my newsletter for my blog and other sewing related things that I'm doing. Fantastic. And just a tip on that. So I used to use my normal sewing pins to do my pinning for alterations. And they do tend to stick into you and they do tend to fall they out. Do. I have horror stories of, of people pricking their fingers on it and like bleeding on something super precious. <laughs> And yeah, they do fall out. Yeah. They do fall out, especially where I've done alterations for other people. If it's yourself, so you're like, oh, well, I got to put back on. If it's for someone else and they're not there, you're kind of up a creek. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I do use safety pins almost all the time. Some exceptions are if the fabric is super, super fine, but then I'll still only use them when I have to because the safety pins are usually a little bit thicker than the very fine dressmaking pins. But for 90% of the things I do, I use safety pins. And if you put, yeah, if you put them really close to each other, let's pretend you're pinning inside seams or a dart and you have a thing on inside out. If you put those safety pins really close to each other, you can get a better idea of how it's going to turn out. And oh, there's one other tip too. There was a while where I had like, it was like a button down jean shirt kind of a face, but the boxy fit on me, I didn't feel like was my best cut for my body. I liked it a bit more tailored. So I'm just talking about like a classic denim shirt. Yeah. And so once you have one thing in your wardrobe, if you get like another thing that's very, very similar, even if it's not from exactly the same brand, something like a dart, sometimes you can copy a alteration or a modification of some kind from one garment to another one. And I mean, I would still like hand baste it first or do something loose that you can change easily. But I could go to the store, buy myself a new jean shirt that was the same kind of style. And again, for me, I usually get it to fit my shoulders and my chest. And then I put darts in on the front and back. And then I can copy that. I can copy a dart I have over already and then try that on. So maybe you have a blouse that, you know, has some darts or shaping on it. And you have another one that's similar. Sometimes you can just use one almost like a template 
and just carefully measure and copy it over and then, yeah, maybe hand or machine base that and try that, especially if you're a little bit intimidated with the fitting process. Yeah. Just another, I was just thinking of that right now. <laughs> another tip that might help some folks there. Yeah. And even if yeah. you have a garment that fits you a little bit better than something that you've just bought, you can also use that as a template, can't you? Absolutely. To see where they're different and then start to think about your alterations. So, yeah, I think that's a great tip. Yeah. And my number one easiest tip if this is something that you've come across a button on a jacket coat or blazer or a blouse anything about down center front if you're someone who has a bust gap or if it gapes in between because it's a bit snug if you move your button over sometimes that's all the breathing room you need like you might think oh i need to like let this out the seams sometimes especially like a blazer there's usually an inch at least that you can move it over to the edge or if you are smaller in the chest, you can try moving it over. And you know what the worst case is? If you don't like how it was, you put the button back to where it was. <laughs> I've done it as well where it's, I've actually moved it over at the chest and then tighter in at the waist as well. Or I bought a jacket that was the wrong size on sale and I was able to do that. But you can, you know, if there is room there, especially a breasted blazer or a jack coat, like a pea coat or something. Yeah. Who, there is a quite a lot of wiggle room there with the buttons, but I mean, that won't help your shoulders. It won't usually help the hip, but for the bust and waist proportions, if you're like, oh, I just wish this button's a little bit looser, a little bit tighter, try the button and that might be all you need. And if it, yeah, if it doesn't work, put it back where it was. Yeah, exactly. And it's such a quick thing to try without yeah. going on picking all the seams and everything. So I think that's a great tip to do first, especially if you're going to wear it mostly buttoned up anyway. It makes a lot of sense to just do that. I tackle a couple little things like that in the guides that I have. I could, don't know where to put an alteration in on something and that uh, can help you with a few things like that. Some areas of the garment are easier to tackle than others, definitely. They are, yeah. And sometimes you might there might be like top stitch seams and things like that that can be trickier to navigate. Yeah, indeed. So it's been great talking to you, Elise. Yeah, you too. Some great tips to get us started. And I know that we've got some ideas of talking about some other things again in the future. I'm going to put some links in the show notes, but just tell them a little bit about how to get in touch with you. Yeah, so I have a blog. I share more frequently on Instagram. I do have Facebook as well. But if you are on Instagram, I share a fair bit of sewing and also fitting tips and things like we were talking about, size charts and things like that to help you make an ultra clothes that fit you, that you love to wear. Not what I say you should wear, what you want to wear. I'll put some links in the show notes as well for those. Come find me on Instagram is where I put the most up, the most frequently. That's where I'm the most active. And then the blog has some detailed blog posts about the pinning in the darts, uh, shortening a sleeve on a jacket, and a few fitting tutorials on there. I've done online workshops in the past. And that's something I'm looking at doing again in the near future too. Brilliant. Well, everyone, I'm sure they'll want to check that out. And definitely, if you do nothing else, then at least download the guide. It's really good. It's got some great tips in. So take a look at that as well. So thank you, Elise. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with just as we finish off for today? Just the main thing is sizing for clothes. It's based on numbers. It's based on statistics. And, you know, no one is exactly how it is. And it, it's the clothes. It's not you. It's the clothes. Take your measurements. Go with what fits you. Just forget about any ideas you have about what size you should be in a pattern or at the store or whatever, because it's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. And just, just go with what feels good on your body. 
I totally agree. I think that's great advice. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared and listeners for tuning in and we'll catch up again with you next time. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the show notes in the description area of your podcast app and click to follow or subscribe or head over to somindful.com forward slash podcast, which is S-E-W-M-I-N-D-F-U-L dot com, where you can also sign up for an email reminder so that you don't miss out on any juicy episodes. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, then please help others find us by leaving a review if you love this episode. And I'm always excited to find out what you got from the episode and how you plan to use the tips. And finally, if you have a question, feedback or a topic you'd like me to investigate, then you can also email me at hello at somuchmorefun.co.uk. So until next time, stay gorgeous and have so much more fun.